Welcome everyone to New Goggles number seven. And we're going to be talking about governance in this one. Uh, and it's not going to be exactly what you think. Uh, this is another good, this is going to be a challenging one, folks. I'm just telling you. Uh, I hope you're challenged by it. I certainly am. And uh, if you're new, you're just picking up this channel. Uh, for some reason, uh, New Goggles is a series, and it's really a way to deprogram from the lies of the world and the deceptions of the world and the things that are having you not live right in the real world. And it's a way to reprogram or realign with what God says and how God says to live on this earth. And no, it's not a bunch of rules and laws or anything like that. It's actually to set you free, and I'm going to prove it today in this particular episode. But if you have not watched the previous six episodes of New Goggles, they, you need to watch them in order. And this is done for a reason. It's very methodical. So this one in particular builds upon number six, which we just did, which is the way communications, you know, uh, through relationships and and how we are supposed to do things and how we're supposed to communicate through God. And uh, and this one is going to take a, a step further, but that one is very foundational, uh, as all of the previous ones are. So you really do need to start at the beginning. I do suggest you take notes. Uh, sometimes I make some pretty major points and they go missed. Um and they shouldn't because some of the things that will come out today, uh, maybe I just don't tell enough stories and that's probably true. Uh, but I just, uh, you know, that's the way I learn and the way you know, that I speak is I just kind of put stuff out <laughs> and, and it's up for you. It's up to you to grasp it. So if you have to listen more than once, that's fine. Uh, take notes. I suggest. So this one we're going to talk about governance and there's many different types of governance. There's governance in the Godhead because God certainly gave us an example and lives by example as he always does. Uh, but there's family governance, there's self-governance, there's governments, you know, and there's all of these different things. And God actually has very specific instructions and God also tells us when we get away from those instructions and we fall into tyranny what will happen and guess where we are today folks look at the world around us we're in tyranny <laughs> but there is a solution and as always it's found in God's word so let's uh get into it and by the way again uh there are so many scriptures that there's over 40 scriptures that this uh, is compiled on. And I'm going to give out some of the scriptures. Of course, when I turn this into a course, it's going to be complete uh, with everything in it. Uh, but I'm going to give you some of the main scriptures that this is uh, based upon. And I'm not going to read every scripture, although there's a couple that I probably will read out to you just for clarity and some things. But uh, I don't want to deprive you of the pleasure and the honor uh, of reading God's word. And it, it really is supernatural when you read it for yourself. If you're a born again believer, you know what I mean. Um, you really can't understand the word of God without being born again into the kingdom. And 
So that's where I want to start with this particular lesson. So when you are born again, you are a new creation. God, Jesus came as the second Adam, but the first of a new creation. He's the first of a God-man, and he made a way for us into heaven. That's why he calls himself the way. But you have to understand, when you before you were born again, you are governed by self and by Satan. There's no other way to put it. Uh, when we are just living in this world and we're unsaved, we're living in Satan's governance and Satan's world. And a lot of that is selfishness. And if you look at the world today, you know, parents aren't even putting their kids before their needs anymore. Um, it, it's terrible uh, with the things that are going on. I don't, I don't need to list them. But there's such a selfishness in society and that's the opposite of uh, of what God gave us as an example. The father sent his son. The son gave his life on the cross. You know, it doesn't uh, get any more selfless than that. But most importantly, when you're born again, you are actually transferred into God's governance. And you now live in his kingdom instead of Satan's kingdom. And this is really important to understand because if you understand who we are in Christ and understand that now we've been transferred into a new kingdom, you know, wherever you go, because the Holy Spirit fills you up, and I know we're all flawed. We don't come off as perfect, godly creatures, you know, in this world. We still have our flaws. We still got our earth suit on. We still have our fallen ways. But God comes inside of us. And so whenever, wherever we go, there should be an atmosphere change. And let me give you the juxtaposition of that. Everyone has been in a room and someone walks in and changes the atmosphere of that room, good or bad. Uh, there's people who can suck the air out of a room instantly. Or even if you're, you know, we could be at a, you know, you could be at a family event and, you know, the drunken uncle, uh, you know, gets angry and starts swearing and it just changes or, or a fight breaks out and the whole energy in the room is terrible after that. But yet on the other side, you know, a godly person walks into a room and the whole dynamic of that room changes. And I'll never forget an example. A friend of mine, uh, Ken, uh, we were both uh, baptized at the same time. I came to the Lord first, and uh, he came a couple weeks later. Um, and him and I, you know, we were both musicians and things like that. And this is shortly after we were born again. So, you know, we were seeing miracles everywhere, as a lot of people do when you're first born again, God really builds up your faith. And then, you know, you become an adolescent in God and, and then an adult, and then it's no, you got to push into me to, uh, you know, but at the, in the beginning it's, you know, God just feeds you. It's like a, a mother giving milk to a child. And, uh, 
anyways, to make a long story short, we had gone to see a friend uh, who was actually becoming a rock star at the time, and he's done very, very well in music, plays uh, you know, some venues up to like 10,000 people and stuff still to this day. Good friend of mine, talented, by the way, born again guy now. No coincidences in God. But uh, we went to his uh, CD launch party, and it was at this club. And there's about, you know, probably three to 500 people in there. It's a pretty big place. And we didn't, you know, we prayed when we were on our way down, but we didn't pray for anything specific other than, you know, for good things for Nick, our buddy, and stuff like that. But when we walked into the club, we noticed something that people weren't drinking. And this is like a rock and roll venue. Of course people drink. But it was like people just stopped drinking. The atmosphere had changed. And I kid you not, my friend and I were standing near the front of the stage while the band is performing, and it's super loud in here, and people were coming up to us and asking us to pray for them. We did nothing. We didn't advertise. We didn't tell people we were Christians or anything like that. Just God decided to work a miracle that night. And uh, and literally, you know, people weren't paying attention. They were coming up and asking for prayer. So the atmosphere, it should be an atmosphere of peace. And God is a creative. God is a creator. His word speaks things into creation. And we're his sons and daughters. So we should be creating that atmosphere as well. And, uh, and that's really how we start to get to our destiny. But we need governance in all of this because without rules, there's chaos. And God's rules are not to restrict our living. God's rules are to give us freedom in living. It's so amazing when we look at how his government works and how it really does set us free. So for instance, God's governing principles, and and I'll just uh, point you to Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7 for this, but God's governing principles laws and principles, they produce order. They produce initiative. People want to do things for themselves. You know, God hates a a lazy person. He wants people to be initiative. And and it creates a a safe place because, you know, God's people, we're not violent people. We don't want to, you know, take over by force or anything like that. And we always want to be moving ahead and doing things because God is creative. God gives us these brilliant things that we could do. I, I, I would like to say that I think we would have uh, zero emission flying machines, uh, personal flying machines, anti-gravity machines, if we were not held back by the cabal, because God would want us to have this stuff. Or maybe portals, even better, you know, teleportation or something like that. But, you know, we have been so held back by the world because man's government in Satan's kingdom, there's always disorder. It's going backwards. Uh, like 
killing babies. Um, kind of going backwards, folks. You know, we need procreation, but yet there's people in government screaming uh, for, you know, they call it women's rights and women's health care. That's going backwards. That, that's the opposite of women's rights, by the way. So, you know, God wants to set women free from that, um, not just to be a slave in the workplace, which is, you know, a big part of why they want that agenda being pushed. And so, yeah, you, uh, instead of being a mom, can just go sit in a cubicle somewhere and do something. But it also, man's kingdom, Satan's kingdom, also creates dependency because they, they want... Satan wants the government to be your God. So it always creates dependency. And that's why, you know, we see, you know, operations where, well, let's just pull out uh, what uh, George H. Bush did, uh, say no to drugs. <laughs> By the way, good message. Say no to drugs. I agree. But was he just getting rid of, maybe the competition <laughs> uh, because they want dependency. But we as Christians living in the new kingdom, he is our source and he extends everything to us. If you want to do a great study, go look at God's promises there's books written on it, just God's promises. And it is absolutely amazing. But we have to remember, as God's children being transferred into his kingdom, we are called to change this world. And we are called into his governance. And I'm just going to start with some examples here. Give me a second as I go through my notes. Uh, let's start off with how God gives us an example of his governance inside of the Trinity. Because God always leads by example. He doesn't say, you know, do this. I'm not going to. I'm the king. No. He patterns absolutely everything for us. And, well, just give me a second. Yeah, here it is. So first of all, just like in your family, and I'll get to that, um, in your workplace, I'll probably touch on that. In every situation, there is there should be order. And without order, there really is chaos. And of course, the, the enemy wants to bring chaos out of, in, into his order, but uh, he just steals from God. And God's order is we live in peace and we live in unity and we help each other and we love thy neighbor. But let's look at what how God is in the Trinity. So there, this is God's government. First of all, Jesus Christ is submitted to the Father's authority. 
even though Jesus, the Son, is fully God. He is fully God. He's not half of what the Father is. He is fully God. He was there in the creation. It was his word that spoke out creation. He is God. But there's the Father, and there's the Son, and Jesus submits to his Father's authority. And uh, look at 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 1 to 3. Uh, there's a whole bunch, uh, Philippians and, and John, you know, and, and all the Gospels, you'll see that, of course. So then, let's look at who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit was there in creation. The Holy Spirit is fully God, but yet the Holy Spirit is under the authority of Jesus and the Father. And uh, I would just suggest you look at uh, John 14, verses 26, and John 16, verse 7, for that. So when we look at that, and, and there's going to be a really interesting point here, and I learned it from someone else. I'm not saying I'm the inventor of this. Um, but the Son lives to exalt the Father. And the Father lives to exalt the Son. Now, as a parent, how wonderful if your kids just looked up to you so much and they wanted to make sure they pleased you and they wanted to do as they were instructed because they found you wise. Well, that's what Jesus does with the Father. He loves him. He wants to please the Father. And in, the, and in turn, the Father, what a beautiful child I have. This child just wants, I, I want to do everything for this child because this child wants to do everything for me. Do you understand the relationship? The father is the father, but it's but they they coexist because the father wants to exalt the son. The father, our father in heaven, gave Jesus the ultimate hero story of the entire universe for all of time. Tell me he didn't exalt his son. And the son, because he wanted to do his father's will. You know, even though he said, if possible, take this cup from me when he was in the garden, he knew what he was going to have to do. And man, not many people could endure that. Um, but he did it. And he did it for us, but also to exalt the Father because he always said, your will be done on earth as in heaven. So then we look at the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit 
fit in to this relationship? Well, the Holy Spirit lives to exalt Jesus. You don't really see, and by the way, prove me wrong here, but you don't really see the Holy Spirit really having to, uh, although it's the Holy Spirit is under the authority of the Father, the Holy Spirit's always pointing to Jesus, and Jesus points to the Father. And I've wondered about this, and, and I'm just going to give you, this is theoretical, this part, okay? Everything else I'm giving you today is biblical. This part, theoretical. But is it because if he's if God always models things for us, when we sin, if we are born again, our sins are not seen by the Father. They're covered in Jesus' blood. The Father only sees Jesus in us. So is it possible that the Holy Spirit really only exalts Jesus because the Father will only see Jesus when he sees the Holy Spirit? I don't know. But isn't it amazing to think about these things? But yet, the, all three are God. Back to the scripture. <laughs> I want to be clear when I end that. So, God is always working. Um, he created a Sabbath and he had a day of rest as an example for us. But God is a worker. And work is a holy and everlasting calling. If you are lazy here, you're not going to get a good job in heaven, and you will have a job in heaven. <laughs> Trust me. We're not going to be, and I and I love this because uh, one of my, uh, my friends, Tim, uh, him and I talked about this when I first became a Christian. You know, if you think heaven is going to be just you two, you know, a couple of us sitting on a cloud, someone playing the harp and uh, sharing our testimonies forever. Listen, I love to hear testimonies, but to hear testimonies for eternity? No, give me something to do, you know? And God says he will give, give us cities to manage, maybe even quadrants of the universe. Who knows? The mysteries of God, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to be revealed. But God himself, again, divides up the tasks that God does, because God is always working. God is working today. Has he answered a prayer of yours lately? He's answered some of mine. He's answered some on our prayer group. So we have to look at how the Godhead works, how the Trinity works. So I've always said, that God is the author. God writes the script, essentially. He direct and he directs the plans. So, you know, he's the creator. He's, I don't want to, well, I'm going to say it. Uh, I don't want to be confused with the Masonic theology, of course, but he's the architect. He did an intelligent design for this universe. He is the architect. So 
He creates the plans, and then he brings in Jesus, and Jesus is the Word of God, and the Word of God speaks it into existence. And, you know, I just, uh, on a quick side note, I saw a video just a couple days ago, and it was, uh, oh, I think it's the End Times Productions guys. Uh, they put out some good stuff. Anyways, they had a, a clip of, they were just playing someone else's material, but it was a clip of this guy uh, talking about string theory, you know, in the Big Bang Theory and stuff like that. If you ever watch that show, Sheldon was into the string theory, but string theory has actually proved the existence of God and intelligent design. And that's what this uh, video was because when, if you look at everything is everything in the universe is held together by frequency and vibration and stuff like that. And so when you think of what frequency and vibration is, it's, it's a voice, it's a sound. It's um, if you have a guitar and you fret the guitar in different places, you can create different notes. You can create different songs, but you're creating. And God created by speaking out his word. And it's held together by the power of his word. But you'll notice even in, in the Genesis, uh, Genesis 1 and 2, and even in the uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 4 to 6, it's the Holy Spirit that is like the energy in behind it. It's almost, uh, I don't want to use anything that, uh, there, there's just not words to describe things in the Spirit. But it, it, it's like the glue holds all the atoms together, the Holy Spirit. It's the power of Jesus' word and the Holy Spirit that does it. And and they do it to glorify the Father. And the Father, in turn, because they've done it, exalts Jesus and the Holy Spirit by default. But you notice that there is a division in labor, and there has to be order. If there is no order, there's chaos. And that's not God's government. So what are some of the principles that God's government has in it? Well, in the Trinity, there's always, they're very purposeful. They work together. They each have their own job, but they have one goal that they're going to do. And, you know, for God, that could be a million different things all at once. Who knows? But they all have their role to play in that goal. And they do it in service to each other. Just like I said last week, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. He came to serve. He came and he fed people. He gave life. He did miracles. God served. We're called to serve each other. And how much 
grace and peace is upon your life when you do something good for someone. You know, I've often said I, I live by three principles and I won't get into them here. But the number one of the number one things in my life is to help people up. I love to do it. It brings me joy when I'm able to. I'm not always able to. I'm not always called to. But if I am called to it, I love to help people up. You know, listen, it, it's great to receive gifts. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, I love, everyone loves getting a gift. But there's always a, a humility that comes with it. And man, I can't believe you thought of me. And, and, but how, but it's the more, the greater pleasure is giving the gift and serving others. If you want to get some joy in your life, are you feeling depressed? Go do something for someone else. Greatest cure for depression, along with exercise. <laughs> you know, uh, that's probably a good one as well to get rid of some depression, but go serve someone else. And, uh, you will be amazed at what happens. Okay. Next sections. Oh, there is so much here, folks. This could be a long teaching. Okay. Let's talk about the different areas of government and the different areas in government have to be, it all has to work together because God's kingdom is not divided. Just like the Holy Spirit, Jesus and the father work in unity for one purpose all of our structures of governance need to all be working together for that purpose if we are going to follow God's way. And I highly suggest that this is possible to do even in this fallen world. And if enough of us get together, if the right on radio community starts to operate in the ways that are being taught in this series, I'm telling you, this isn't from me. This is from God. Because it's God's word. I'm just repeating God's word here. I'm teaching you some principles that I've learned from God in his word. If just our community started doing this and we started working together in unity on one project at a time, or maybe two or three interrelated projects, we can and will change the world. So before I get into this next section, just put in the comments, um, are you willing to work under the model of God's governance? Please give me some comments. It really does help the algorithms and stuff like that. Uh, it's great in chat, but uh, comments really do help. Uh, so please do that and hit the like button. I usually forget to ask that you do that. All right, so let's look at governance 
that, uh, and by the way, I'm going to just for, for this section of the, uh, program, I'm going to put in the description box underneath here, I'm going to put the scriptures that I'm basing this off of, um, in the description box. And there's a lot of them. So if you like reading scripture, this will keep you busy for a little while. And uh, that's and this is just for this section. But in scripture, um, there's really three main types of government that are written about. Um, of course, there's family government. You know, the father is the head of the household. The wife is to be submissive to the father uh, or to the husband. The husband is to love his wife like Christ loved us. And the children are supposed to be submissive, but yet the, but the father, you know, the mother and father want to exalt the children. You want your best for the children. You want to put them first and they want to put you first. That's God's order for a family. Man, there's not a lot of families like that right now, is there? Let's turn this around. But there is family government and, uh, Specifically to this, uh, I'm just going to suggest that you look in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, and uh, 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. And there's also church government. And I'm going to define the church in a moment. But there's also church government. And we are the church, but we need order within the church. And, well, there's, again, there's so many scriptures, uh, but I'm just going to say for this one, uh, probably your best source is Ephesians chapter four. Just do the whole chapter. And then there's, uh, there's civil government and, uh, there's a lot of stuff in Romans, uh, particularly Romans 13, about that. However, so those are the main types of governance that God gives us instruction for. But there's actually, I don't want to pass by self-government. Because even, you know, if you look at the gifts of the Spirit, self-control is one of the gifts of the Spirit. And so God helps us to self-govern. And remember at the very beginning of this, we come out of God's, or out of the world's kingdom of self and Satan, and we enter into God's kingdom. So, we, to come into God's kingdom, there cannot be chaos. There must be order. So we do need self-governance. And uh, there's, there's also, you know, commercial for trade uh, type of governance as that as well, but I'm not going to get into that in here. So let's just quickly look at these different types of governance. Remember, I was going to tell you about freedom. I mentioned that earlier on. Well, the key to freedom 
is self-governance under God. Think about that. If you keep God's commandments, if you act according to what God has instructed as the best way to act, there's nothing in the world that can come against you. You're free. You're totally free. And by the way, you're probably really happy about it because it's sin in our lives and disobedience that really invites misery into our life. So self-governments and, uh, okay, I'm going to give you a few scriptures here. If you don't look up anything else, just look up these scriptures. First Timothy three, uh, number five Romans chapter six, uh, verses one to eight. And, uh, you know, I love my Proverbs, so I'm going to give you two Proverbs 16, verse 32, and Proverbs 25, uh, verse 28. If you look up nothing else, look up those scriptures and uh, take control of yourself. Submit your will and power. Because we do have power. And we submit our power. So the, the cabal, the evil people want to use our power. And they actually use God's word to achieve a lot of stuff. But we want to do things through Christ, not on our own. So submit our power and our will. Not my will be done, but yours. Do on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, God. So self-governance, if you're going to start anywhere, that's the place. Family government, I already touched on it. So the husband is, you know, to be in charge. And unfortunately, we've all heard the saying, uh, the women are wearing the pants these days. But uh, if your family's upside down, if your kids are being brats and stuff like that, it's because fathers, you're not stepping up and taking governance. You need to do it. And you don't reign, you know, with an iron rod. What wife would want to be there for that? No, you you reign by loving your wife. And it's very important. You know, in Proverbs, it says, uh, you know, a man who finds a woman finds a good thing. And we are actually to be in full counsel with our wife. And this this is just common sense, folks. Um, if you're going to make a major decision and you do not include your wife, I'm just speaking to the men here. Everyone's heard the story, happy wife, happy life. Everyone's heard that before. Well, you know, when you're married, you're in covenant. And every major decision 
should be discussed and you should have counsel with your wife. And women, you should be praying to God and giving godly counsel to your husbands. And yes, your husband does have the final say. And if you're and if the husband makes a mistake, the accountability is on his shoulders because that's godly government. All right. So <laughs> I want to read a read a uh, well, uh, I'll get there. So first of all, we're talking and, and right now uh, at the time of making this, there's uh, you know, we're, we're in primary season and stuff like that. And candidates uh, that are running for civil government that are talking about the family are getting, they're winning their, uh, their primaries because people want to get back of it. We know how much the family unit has been broken. And the family unit is the foundation of society. So we have to start fixing the families. And when we fix the families, the community will start to heal and the community will be better. And then we go out to the country, but we got to start. Um, it's the basic building block. It's the foundation and the church, of course. Of, co of course, we're living in the God's kingdom. So what happens is if we do not self-govern and even uh, not only of ourselves, but inside of a family unit, in other words, the woman submits to the wife, the man loves his wife as Christ loves his bride, uh, children exalt the parents, parents exalt the children. If we don't, follow that structure, you know where it ends up? It ends up in the authority of the civil government. Family court, anyone? Appointed counselors? Children protective services? See what happens when we don't live under godly rule? If you live under godly rule, if you submit yourself, your family under his rule, under his will, will you end up in civil court? I say no. I hope you're getting something out of this, folks. Uh, this is a this is a good one. All right. So, now Let's talk about church government. So in Ephesians 4.12, we know the fivefold ministries. Uh, there's apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and, uh, and well, I guess pastors, or elders, I, I would prefer to use that word. And they're all very, very important inside of your organization. And by the way, even in our community, we're not an official ministry. You know, we, we're not registered or anything like that. 
we don't have people tithing. We do get donations and thank you for those donations. So they, they are appreciated. I'm actually listener supported now, folks. Um, not living a lavish life. I never will. Uh, the more that you give to me, by the way, the, uh, the more I'm able to help other people because I don't need the fancy things in life. Do I have a couple of luxuries? Yeah, I got a motorcycle, <laughs> but uh, that's about it. And by the way, I bought it before I got into podcasting because I certainly couldn't do it now. Um, I, I digress. I apologize for going on that. Uh, but they all interlace. And even within our group, we have apostolic figures. We have people with prophetic gifts. We have great teachers in our midst. And we certainly got evangelists. So how do we start to use all of these things together? Even inside this community that we have here. And I want you to think about in your actual, if you go to an actual church, if you know, if you have Bible studies in your home, something like that, I want you to think about these and actually get people to start functioning in their roles. This is something I was slow to do in this community. Uh, I wish I had started on it uh, earlier, but there, there was actually a lot of confusion, quite honestly, when we first started this community and this, uh, this podcast. There was a lot of confusion, and you know there were some things that came in, and we were unprepared. But the good thing is God taught us some great lessons through it. But we need to really start developing these and identifying the people. And by the way, I've identified uh, some people, and that's why we have, for instance, our our prayer team. Um, I also have some people behind the scenes that uh, act as uh, as elders for me and as counsel. People who are in the know, and then I have elders that are just literally the pastors of my previous churches and stuff like that. I'm always I'm in good standing with them good brothers that I've walked with the Lord for decades. And uh, so there's a lot of elders and we certainly have had some good teaching, you know, uh, with some of the Saturday night sermons and even just some of the, uh, the other things. So we do have all of these things, but we need them to all start working together. And that, and actually I'm going to put that on you, the listener, if you care about this community at all, it's up to you to help get them to function together because you are actually a lot of, a lot of us um, by just taking for granted and not serving inside of this thing. Uh, we're actually taking away from the unity and help and we're stunting growth. And I'm going to tell you, and by the way, if you, if you just think, well, I'm not even sure which one of those I am or whatever, or what I could do. You know how, if, if this is good teaching, you know how you can serve, you can share it on your social media. You can share it so other people get to see it. That actually helps us grow. And it helps other people because this is God's teaching. This is God's word, not mine. So we want to start using those gifts together inside of church government. And we do have to, uh, you know, the elders of the church are the, the essentially the boss and you have the teachers and the prophets 
kind of come and go. They have to be reined in a lot of the time. Uh, you never really want a, a prophet to be the head of a church, in my opinion. That's just an opinion. Um, and you should always have an apostle over top that oversees to ensure that there's correct governance inside of that body. And uh, civil government, I'm not going to talk too much about it because I don't. I know this is already getting a little bit long, but it is detailed in the Old Testament. Uh, read Deuteronomy and uh, and also Romans. You know, Romans is great for all this stuff. But civil government, the main job of it is to create peace. You know, maintain order have a police force because unless you have rule of law, you'll have lawlessness, obviously. And, uh, you know, protecting borders, that's really the goals of it. But what have we slipped into? We've slipped into tyranny. And this is our society today. Look, we have to identify it. Uh, everything is upside down. People who, you know, do you know who do harm uh, are just catch and release people who come across our border just do they break their laws it doesn't matter it's okay but if you have the wrong politics right now you are going to be a prisoner and by the way um this is all to make you mad this is why they're doing it it's to show you that you don't have power uh, and they do that because they're scared that you find out that you do have power. Did you hear me on that? They do it to make you feel powerless. That's the whole exercise. That's why there's political prisoners and they're letting all these other people. It's to make you feel useless and it's too big for you to do something about it. That is the whole purpose of it. It's all about the categories of the mind. It's... We're deprogramming from that right now. So we can change all of this and we can get rid of tyranny. So tyranny occurs when one sphere of government, and this could be in anyone, it could be in self-governance, in family government, in church government, in civil government, it could be in any one of them. But tyranny occurs when one sphere of government superimposes its authority into another sphere and limits that sphere's ability to function. So when civil government gets involved in your family and says, you can't spank your kids, God's law says a father reproves ones he loves. So tyranny begins when one aspect of government starts to go into another aspect of government and take away your rights. That's your God-given right. Your children are your property. And I, listen, I'm not for beating kids, but 
Is it healthy for a kid to get a smack on the ass? I say yes. So we can, each sphere of government needs to act on its own and not step in. Um, if families were just to take over government and act out of their sphere, um, and it can, you have to be a family, you know, what if someone is single, you know, you can't make them have a family. I'm just, and that's a ridiculous example, of course, but you cannot, we all have to stay in our lane. We have to stay in our giftings, just like in the church, you know, the prophet should not probably be the, uh, the head of the church. The elder should be. Uh, the evangelist is usually a loose cannon and just wants to go out and get people saved. And it's usually not the most responsible person. I'm just, I'm just telling you what the way it is. Um, there are there exceptions. Sure. But the real evangelist is probably not the best at doing the paperwork. Okay. I'm just saying, uh, it's just their personality. So there's a lot of misplaced governance that's happening in this world and we need to stop it in the church, in government, in family, everywhere. God gives us the example. He doesn't have misplaced authority anywhere. And, oh, oh yeah, I still got to get to the church. But I want to give you uh, a couple more things. So there are some strategies for building a godly nation. And if we just look at these and we start with it. And if you were on a, a prayer call that I, or a chat that I did on Telegram this week, I kind of let something out of the bag that I have a plan. I, I've been saying make a difference in your community for a long time. Well, for the last five years, I've actually had a community action plan to help struggling communities. And I'm going to be rolling it out sooner than later. And uh, if you've what followed along with right on radio for a while, you're going to notice some uh, repeating patterns here. But if we want to rebuild a nation like the United States, like Canada, like Singapore, any country in the world, Africa, uh, you know, South Africa, uh, Africa, Australia, it all has to begin in the community. There, you can't start at the top. Listen, folks, at the top, they got tanks and guns, missiles, air forces, stuff like that. You can't start at the top. We have to start in our communities. That means with your neighbor. And we have to start working with our individual giftings because your neighbor's made different than you. And how can I work with my neighbor to make a difference and to make this a better neighborhood a better community are you are you going to take action on this do you want to rebuild a country do you want to do it god's way here's the steps and obviously this isn't the detailed plan but these are the steps 
Stewardship is essential. If you do not steward your personal property, if you do not steward your community, is it going to prosper? And by the way, in God's, if you, if we walk in God's way, we prosper. You will prosper. Not a prosperity message. I'm just telling you. If you have a happy family, are you living in prosperity? Absolutely. But stewardship of private property is absolutely key. And that's why the first course I launched, it's so important to me, folks. Stewardship is so important. Stewarding you, the community, is so important to me. But stewarding is fundamental. If you don't steward, are you mature? Are you an adult? And by the way, if you're walking through the park and you see all kinds of garbage, like you get a, a water bottle in the middle of the park, do you pick it up? Just saying. Throw it in the garbage on your way out. Does that show you care about your community? Is it stewarding your community? If someone does graffiti on the mailbox, will you go and repaint the mailbox? Or at least, you know, if it's public property, at least call the local governing body and say, hey, listen, this has been graffitied and I really care about my community, so I would like that uh, to be cleaned up. Or if you don't have someone to do it, can I do it? So got to start in the community. We have to start stewarding all of our property, everything that's put in our charge, okay? The church, us, need to start equipping people. Now, does that mean we go and we say, in 1 John, it says you must do this to your neighbor? <laughs> they might not listen, folks. But, you know, if you go to them and say, listen, I, did you notice that that thing got, you know, sprayed or, or you know, that the, the playground in the park is broken down? You want to pitch in? Can we fix it? Or listen, our mutual fence is uh, falling down. Can we uh, can we make it better, make it strong so it'll last when the strong winds come up and it doesn't take us by surprise? You know, by even just teaching stewardship, which is very important to God. I don't know how many I've how many times I've said it. That's why I put out uh, creating wealth through stewardship. Listen, God in the New Testament, God mentions faith two hundred fifteen times, salvation two hundred eighteen times, stewardship. 2,085 times, tenfold, folks. Is God serious about stewardship? Yes, because we are called to co-manage his earth. You're born into the king. You're under his governance. We are called to be in charge and to govern. And the church needs to equip people with the principles that work, and that is God's plan. And if they see you living it, eventually... They might say, listen, I notice you're smiling all the time. You're happy all the time. Your family's in order. 
I want what you got, man. Your life is the best example. So as a church, remember the very beginning, I said you should change the atmosphere when you walk into a room. And I know this is a terrible example because a lot of us all know who these people are now, but let's go back 10 years. Let's say step back 10 years when we weren't all awake. You know, some of you are say, well, I was. Just listen to the example. If you were in a, a room somewhere, let's say you got invited to a, a dinner and it was a prominent dinner of some kind. You know, you were invited, your ticket was paid. Hey, I'm going to go. And the Queen of England walks into the room. Everyone will be, oh, I can't believe I'm here when the Queen showed up. Well, hold on. You're a king, a, a king and a high priest of God. You're a child of God. You are called to co-govern. How much more when you walk into a restaurant or something? Oh, that person is here. You, your name, insert your name. Oh, Nancy or Sarah or Brad walked in. Oh, that person. I can feel the whole room change. And then that, they want to listen to you, don't they? So know who you are. And start equipping people. Don't have to beat them up with, you better be born again. And that will come. Build relationship before you beat them over the head with the Bible. I'm all about souls, folks. I'm all about souls. But we have to establish relationship. And the church needs to be the equipping center for that. Um, again, we need to really rebuild the families, uh, particularly in the black community. Man, they've been, and, and it's not their fault. They kind of went along with it and they participated in it willingly after all these years. But, uh, you know, the father is going away and, you know, the Planned Parenthood being put into all their neighborhoods. It's just, they've been under, it, it's been purposeful, uh, obviously, Black people are very, very powerful and have a, a, a key to society that uh, that we need to function properly. Just like the Asians, just like, you know, we all, we are all designed to work together. We all have our giftings. And uh, the most important is you have to be self-governing self-governing. So if we want to rebuild a nation, let's follow those five things. So if we wanted to rebuild a nation, obviously we want to live in freedom. And uh, freedom is the opposite of tyranny, right? Because tyranny is the opposite of God. And it's really, you know, freedom is defined by, you know, are you living in peace? Is is your community productive? Is God's government functioning there, even 
in with the non-believers. And uh, listen, I got sin in my life still, folks. So I'm being convicted even as I teach you this. But freedom means serving in God's purpose unhindered by sin. And there are a couple areas in my life where sin hinders my ability to serve freely. And by the way, uh, there are things that I know eventually will, uh, will go away from me. Right now, I don't know why I put up with these things, but I do. And uh, uh, Lord, I pray your will be done, not, not mine. And uh, I pray that in your life too. I'm sure you have some sin, some form. You know, it could be anything. It could be anger. It could be lust. It could be addiction. Um, there's all kinds of things. Gossip will hinder you from serving God's purposes. Oh, man. All right. Um, so we need to look at the church because obviously if the church is going to be equipping, uh, that is kind of the key to the whole rebuilding the community. And inside the church, we need to be self-governing. We need to act in our roles. All of these things that God has set an example for us. So we really need to uh, to understand what the church is and you know church if you do a word search for it in the gospels it only comes up twice and it's in matthew actually both times but the church when you look at the church as a whole, as an entire body, like every believer in the world, the church is used by the Holy Spirit to communicate the identity of God's people. So if you're part of the church, your identity is as one of God's people, because when you become into his kingdom, you're brought into the church, right? You're part of the fellowship. You become the bride. And it's interesting because oftentimes, you know, in the Bible and when people pray, we'll use the word the ecclesia. So the ecclesia was a Greek civil governing body 
not a religious body. So what does ecclesia actually mean? I might get into trouble on this one, folks. Um, okay, so I'm going into maybe some theoretical here. Uh, just the way I see scriptures, the way I'm interpreting them. But I'm going to give you scriptures here. Um, in fact, let me read one or two. Now, I'm just going to read. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to read one. There's a couple more. But this is from uh, Matthew 16. And I'm going to read verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven and whatsoever you loose on earth shall have shall be loosed in heaven so Jesus is saying he gives us the keys to do it. But who are we? We are those who are called out of the world. Yes, we chose to say that sinner's prayer. Yes, we chose these things. But I'm saying to you, God chose you first. So you, by God himself, have been called out of this world and into his kingdom. And because... Everything that we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That means you're kind of like a judge. Oh, Christians shouldn't be judgmental. Yeah, there's maybe we shouldn't be judgmental. Don't judge a book by its cover. Unless the cover's filled with evil symbolism and judge it. So if we are called to bind and loose... And Jesus gives us the key. And when he gives us the key, you have authority. You, you were given the key. You, if, you know, if you're a manager of a store, the owner of the store gives you the key so you can come in and unlock it. You have the authority to unlock it. The, the you know, the, the person who stocks the shelves does not have the keys, doesn't have the keys to the cash register, doesn't have the keys to the vault in the bank. We're given the keys so we are called to judge. And I would suggest to you that uh, there's some major implications of that. And just like in the family governance, in the Godhead governance, in our self-control governance, we have to have all of those things before we step outside of it. And, and by the way, one of the most dangerous things that Christians can do 
is use one or two scriptures to prove your point. And I know I'm doing it here, but believe me, if you take the course later, there's 40 to 60, maybe 80 scriptures I'm going to include just in this section alone. So there's a lot of scripture to back it up. But there, unless you can self-govern, how can you... Well, again, if you can't self-govern, then God, then sin is blocking you from doing God's purposes. And one of the things that we are called to do is to judge things. No, that government is not good government. That's tyrannical government, so we have to replace it. That's a judgmental statement, isn't it? It's true. So... Wherever, in conclusion, we are called out of this world, everywhere we go, everywhere we are, the atmosphere should change. We are given authority. We need self-governance. We need to start making a difference in our community and start building up and up and up. Because politicians always ask to get elected, but we were elected by God. He called us out. We are elected by God to rule with him on this earth. I hope you enjoyed this uh, challenging <laughs> teaching. This stuff that I'm telling you, the, the greatest lessons are for the teachers. Although I've taken lots of notes over these years, folks, uh, this is the first time I'm speaking it out loud. And so um, I'm getting real conviction in my life. Uh, yeah, somewhat painful. Um, a father <laughs> reproves those who he loves and God loves me. Certainly, and so when I have these convictions, they they actually really hurt. And uh, but it's a good thing uh, because this is how we we grow. Um, anyways, I I hope you did enjoy this. If you know if you haven't hit that thumbs up, please do leave a comment. Uh, please, I appreciate it. And uh, and if you want to help support me and, uh, and you know, you like some of this teaching, if, it, if you think it can make a difference in your family life or, or a friend will appreciate it, look, you know what, I am listener supported. So um, I have been asked to put a PayPal and stuff together. So I'm doing that. Uh, and so some people don't want to give monthly, uh, like on my Patreon account that I have with Podbean. Um, you, by the way, you can get to that uh, from rightonradio.podbean.com or uh, there's a link in the description for that. And also, I'm going to put a PayPal uh, out there for uh, you if you want to just give a one-time gift. And by the way, there's no obligation for this. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm giving out this teaching just uh, because it's foundational for what we need to do going forward. The world's a mess and it if it's going to start somewhere, if healing and change is going to start somewhere, it may as well start with you, and it may as well start right here and right now. So God bless each and every one of you, and I'll see you on the next 
new goggles.